0: Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. So Leviticus 18, that's kind of where we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking a little bit about um, vulnerability, nakedness, mm-hmm. shame. It's a big thing, right? Uh, it seems like you mentioned it yesterday in your talk with the college group about shame. And how today it seems like in recovery, everything is dealing with this issue of shame. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So it's been cool. Uh, Those of you guys who've uh, been on our site and been around it, me and Bo have been going through Leviticus 18 with the college and career group. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a blast. And those those talks are up on our site, right? They're up in our education section or? Um, yeah. They're on the Running Light side. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, they're out there. If you guys want to give them a listen, we've, uh, we've gone through, I think, five or six studies just in Leviticus 18 so far. And, uh, you know, Leviticus 18 is just, it's a very heavy section of scripture. It deals with the sexual, um, uh, sexual boundaries that God has given his people in the law. And one section that we spent some time looking at was this idea that in Leviticus 18, when it says, uh, when it talks about having, uh, not having intimacy with uh, either your relatives or um, your wife when she's in her time of impurity or uh, with, you know, men with men or women with women or men and women with animals or, you know, it says, it has a very interesting phrase that says, do not approach the nakedness. It doesn't say don't have sex. and What we were kind of looking at is, what is this idea of nakedness? Like, what is God trying to tell us about um, the nakedness of someone else? And why is it something to be guarded? And when you look through the Bible, you see that nakedness, um, it it seems to be a picture of vulnerability. It seems to be a picture of um, intimacy. It seems to be a picture of uh, even shame sometimes. And some of the prophets... God talks about uncovering the nakedness of Israel, and he's obviously speaking in metaphor, but he's talking about you know uncovering her nakedness before her enemies, and I think that you got some quotes on that.
0: that yeah, might... well, I, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of passages. I was just looking through some of my notes here. Um, some of it, like Job twenty four seven, says to it, it talks about it as to mistreat. They cause him to go naked without clothing. Mm. Um, so naked kind of carries that idea of vulnerability to to be mistreated. Mm. Um, in 26.6 of Job, it says, Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no coverings. Mm. So it's kind of an interesting passage, right? Hell is naked. Nudity is talked about as hell. Mm. And clothing is talked about as security. Right. Right, you know, from destruction,
1: right, right, and so when you go back into Genesis, though the natural state of mankind was naked and unashamed,
0: yes, right? yeah, so it's kind of important to
1: to understand that, yeah, to understand that when God designed humanity, he did design us to be naked, um the issue that we see in Genesis though is that after the fall there was uh there there was no knowledge of vulnerability before the fall because when you have um, Two people who don't know how to sin, right? they don't know how to do evil or take advantage or be selfish, um, nakedness is a very good thing uh, because it is important in relationships to have vulnerability and to have intimacy and to have openness and things like that. Um, but there was no shame involved because there was no judgment and there was no insecurity and there was no fear um, in those relationships. But then when the fall happened, and the knowledge of sin entered into mankind, now all of a sudden, um, nakedness is something that could be taken advantage of. And Adam immediately uses his wife's nakedness against her. Where Adam, uh, when God confronts Adam about the tree, Adam immediately says, well, it was the woman that you gave me. Uh, She gave me the fruit. And in that instance, Adam took a private instant between him and his wife um, uh, an instance of failure, and he presented it before God to take attention off himself. So in a way, he like uncovered his wife to take a uh, uh, to take pressure off of himself. And so you see this idea of clothing—the clothing that Adam and Eve put on themselves was a protection for themselves, a fear of one another that took place in that moment, and an insecurity of themselves before one another, and. When I think about my own nakedness, my physical nakedness, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things about my physical body that I'm very ashamed of. Meaning that I don't want people to see because there is an uncomfortability there. Um, it's not just simply for the sake of decency in society. Um, there's like a fearfulness of you know, if someone saw my nakedness, you know, what kind of things would they pick out, and make fun of, judge, things like that. Even. Um, I remember when I first got married to my wife, the idea of being naked in front of one another was still a very fearful moment, you know, of like knowing, like, my wife's going to see me naked. Like, what if she doesn't like something? You know, what if she makes fun <laughs> of me? You know, it's like, it's kind of scary. You know, She's really She's Peter. No. <laughs> you know, and it goes both ways. There was a mutual fear yeah. uh, of both of us to expose ourselves before one another. Yeah, And uh, the same would be true. You could take that and you could apply it to our emotional state. Yeah. Meaning that there's a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of our lives, whether it's our emotions or whether it's our fears or our, our frustrations or our past or whatever you want to say, there's a lot of things that we have shame about that we don't like to show other people. Um, and so we cover it up. We put clothing on um, in the Christian life. Uh, to so that people can 't see that that nudity they can 't see that vulnerability of us uh, and so that we can 't be judged, so our fear is what keeps us from being vulnerable with one another
0: yeah, so we always ask the question, why do we wear clothes mm. and it 's a good question because it it really sparks uh conversation um that can go in many different directions, yeah you know why do we wear clothes well because it 's A way we um, exercise our mm, creative side, Mm -hmm. you know. People say things like that, you know. Um, But you can you can go in the other direction too. Of like, well, the reason why we wear clothes is because, and then you might go, well, why? Why do we wear clothes? And then it might get you might say, well, weather. Yeah. You know. Well. You know. Okay. but that's not true in every situation,
1: right? You know, right. There it, are definitely times in the summers, <laughs> right? Yeah, and <laughs> Where it's I think it, everyone would actually like to be naked. And
0: it's interesting. Some cultures you can go to, they don't wear much clothes, mm-hmm. and they seem to be fine. <clears throat> it's not like they got massive porn problem.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> can't be any porn when it's all accepted, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, or or. Or they don't, or maybe they don't, um, they live in a tribal culture right. where they just don't wear m- much clothes anyway. Yeah. And it's fairly normal. Yeah. You know, to them. Right. Um, you know, but there is, if you notice, even in those tribal cultures, it's not like there's no cloths. Right. There's still cloths. Yeah. And it kind of reminds us maybe of the Adam and Eve event. Yeah. And go, yeah, maybe that's what they look like, you know. But it, there is a lot to be said, you know, because because the humans tried to cover themselves um, and they did with these kind of plants, hmm. it says in Genesis. And then it later on says that God actually sacrificed an animal. Right. And hence comes this atonement, this covering right. for humankind. Uh, covering why? Because nakedness becomes... A, a symbol of separation. Right. And, you know, sin and everything that comes with it. Um, so from really early Genesis, you see now this, this rescue mission of God to atone for the sins of man. And it happens through death. Mm-hmm. That's how atonement happens is through death meaning the death of an animal, the skins of an animal right. that atone. And and if you look at the progression of the Bible, of course, you get to Jesus, the atonement. So some people would say, well, why did Jesus have to come in human flesh? Why couldn't they God just save? Well, atonement, the covering of man came through death. Right. Um, so death had to be conquered. Um, and it wasn't the planet's death that had to be conquered, but it was man. Right, mankind. Um, but that's that's a little heavy, but a little of a thought. But the that idea of nakedness here you have two people that are naked and unashamed, and then all of a sudden, you know, because of this idea of knowledge in their mind, where Eve has this knowledge now of something, and this is what I find really intriguing, Peter is, is she eats she makes a decision to eat and something's in her mind is saying there's something greater than God or better than God or God's holding back or whatever it was maybe all the above but she she partakes and knowledge it's not that she didn't get less knowledge from eating she actually got more knowledge meaning she got uh, knowledge of the tree of good and evil. She, There was something she gained, but something she lost. Um, and I always come intrigued with that idea that, you know, she knew, she knew she was naked. And just the understanding of us being naked is a sign of the fall. Meaning it's not just being naked, but it's the understanding that I'm naked. It's the knowledge of it. Right. Where
1: you could kind of put it this way. It's like, you know, when a baby is born into the world, like it doesn't really know it's naked because it has no concept of clothing. Like you don't really understand nudity until you understand clothing. Right? So... Uh, And you understand shame. So it's not that Adam and Eve were like, oh my gosh, where's our clothes? Like they they had no concept of clothes. It was that there was a knowledge of vulnerability, right? There was no understanding of what nakedness meant, right? Because there was that safety. There was that safety of the affirmation of God, like the complete firm affirmation of God of you are good.
0: Like a clear conscience, complete, clear conscience. Completely
1: clear conscience, that's right. And trust uh with one another that you know there was this, there was never an idea in Adam's mind of like my wife could reject me right or my wife could hurt me or my wife could leave me you know we know that cuz the first time he sees Eve all he says to her is Bone of my bone, flesh to my flesh, right? He's just like super jazzed that she's there and she's naked and <laughs> he just wants to be with her, right? So he, he's not like trying to woo her. He's not yeah. like he's not like, hey, you know, babe, you know, how's it going? You know, let's go to dinner. You know, like he doesn't he doesn't have this concept of rejection or fearfulness or, you know, I need to hide um how into her I really am, otherwise she'll reject me. I gotta mm-hmm. play a game, you know, like there was no idea like that in Adam. He was just like, You're awesome, you know. And he's totally forward with her, because there is no fear. And Eve is totally forward with Adam; she just comes right to him. So there's that safety built into to um, built into the garden that was lost when we ate the fruit. That all of a sudden there is a knowledge of like, gosh, like my husband. What if he did? You know, he he broke God's commandments. What if he broke his vows to me? You know, what if he judged me? What if he did this to me, right? So there's this, this new understanding of uh, what we would call sin that starts to grow up inside the hearts of Adam and Eve. Mm. And it starts to permeate their being. And it starts to move in, in different and unique ways that they didn't understand before.
0: Yeah, yeah so nakedness now is seen with them as... Um, uh, the, the consciousness of their nudity moves them to hide. And right. one of the things I put in my little notes is we are a hiding people hmm. now before God, where, it, like you say, that vulnerability <laughs> is not just a fear of each other, um, but a, a fear of God too. Hmm. Um, and to where they notice they were naked because right. they say to God, hey, we hid because we were naked. Right. Um, so... So there was that knowledge of their nudity, which we want you to understand there was something in their heart, right? That was going on. And that was why, and that was this, uh, you know, something's gone on where I feel like I need to hide from you. Right. Um, And, you know, in clothing, that seems like what we do most of the time is what we're doing is hiding Hmm. because of the potential vulnerability, that we can feel with each other, and and, and it's weird because some people might say, "Well, hey, you know, um, you know, you can go to a new beach and be naked, or you can do these other things and be naked." But anybody knows that, yeah, you can go for a week and you know maybe hang out nude on a beach or something. I don't know, but but to live that way, to live nude. In this world, um, I don't think anybody would want their daughters to be living nude in the world. Right. You know, um, because there is an extreme danger to that. Right. Um, and because people are lustful.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, there's some, and this is again, this is a, a part of the fall where um, before the fall as well, there was never an idea of leveraging nudity, uh, meaning that uh, the nudity that Adam and Eve shared with one another it was a complementary thing. They they looked at one another's nudity, and there was safety there. But there was no idea in their minds of selling their nudity, right? Of of trying to gain attraction or attention through their nudity. Um, that's again something that came from the fall, where. Now it's like, yeah, there are people who could go to nude beaches. They can, you know, post naked pictures of themselves online. They can post naked videos of themselves online, masturbating, having sex, whatever. These people can do that. Um, and people do it all the time. And you could say like, okay, well, if we're all supposed to be ashamed of how we look, like how are these people able to do it? Well, first of all, just because you pose naked doesn't mean you're not ashamed of how you look. Right? Tons of no- models are very insecure about their bodies. Uh, But secondly, even if they're not, let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, they're not um, insecure about their bodies at all. Um, This is, again, it's still a result of the fall because they're still, they're showing their nudity, but they're showing their nudity to get attention. They're showing their nudity to get money. They're showing that it's transactional at that point. Yeah. Where it's not like they're showing their nudity like Adam and Eve, the intent of God, was the nudity was supposed to bring intimacy between one another? Um, the nudity that that naked model is showing is not to breed intimacy between her and the people that are looking at her, right? It's to get money. Right? Yeah, and it's, even
0: even the no, again even the knowledge of nudity right. is a sign of the fall. Even like it's not just the nudity, right? It's right. the knowledge of it. Right. It's just it's just knowing like I am nude. Right. Well, why do you have that knowledge? Like why does that even matter? Right. Well, it matters because you have fear in your heart of people. That's why nudity matters. Right. Because you have insecurity your heart toward of people. Or you know in your heart that people aren't necessarily all gonna treat you well (laughs) if you walk around nude. Right. And so just that knowledge shows you know what what the Bible would say is the fall right that God designed a world that didn't have that
1: right where well, I was even watching a show with my wife and she digs it I, I don't really uh, like it too much but there's it, it's about the this, this girl who who is a model and mm-hmm. a lot of times you know a lot of times she's dressed pretty scantily you know like she's not wearing a whole lot of clothing in some of the modeling shoots and some of them she is flat out naked and um there's this moment in the show where she's just like terrified. She has all this anxiety because she's about to go on a photo shoot and they're all talking to her and they're like, you know, why, why do you have so much anxiety? And she talks about how people have stalked her or, you know, like try to follow her places and stuff like that. And you see, there is this incredible fear of people around her uh, where it's like, yeah, she could go to a photo shoot and do this, but she wouldn't walk around (laughs) Naked, because there is a fear of people taking advantage or hurting her or damaging her, because she does know that people would do that. Um, So it 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 is uh, very sad to humanity that we've kind of come into that place and um, going in that same kind of vein, you'd think that being a Christian might help that, because the idea of Christianity is that the shame that Adam and Eve tried to cover over in the beginning, um, and the shame that God you know, sacrificed an animal to cover over as well, um, is fully covered over in Christ, meaning that all the shame of your past and all the regret and everything that you're insecure about is fully covered over by Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And there is total acceptance and love and appreciation for you um, in his presence and through faith and what he did for you, which is really beautiful and awesome to understand. But what you also have to understand is in Romans 7, Paul says, he talks about his knowing there's a there's a moment of understanding nakedness for the apostle Paul mm. where he says until I knew thou shalt not covet from the old from the Tanakh he said I didn't know that was bad but the second I knew it, sin taking advantage of me filled me with all sorts of covetousness and this this is what he's saying he's saying until I understood coveting was bad he's not saying like oh before. I read in the Bible that coveting was bad. I was totally pure, and I never coveted. You know, like, that's not the point of Romans 7. What he's saying is that there was something, when he read it in the Bible, it revealed a shame in him. It revealed a nakedness in him, almost like what I said with a baby. You know, if you have a baby that's naked, he doesn't understand that until he gets the understanding of clothing. For a Christian all of a sudden you come into Christianity and the law shines on your heart and reveals all of your nudity, all of your vulnerability where maybe before becoming a Christian, you didn't have much, if any um, shame about the things that you were doing. Maybe you had like total confidence in the stuff you were doing and you were just like, man, this is awesome. You know, I do this. I view porn. I have sex with uh, chicks I or, or men or whatever, or, you know, I, I, cheat on my taxes or I'm very greedy and you're just like totally cool with all of it. But then you become a Christian and you and that vulnerability becomes exposed to you and you miss sight. You lose sight of the fact of the law was never intended to clothe you. The law was intended to reveal your nudity so that Christ could be your covering. Mm. But as a Christian church, we've kind of missed that point a little bit. And so we've, when we're exposed to our nudity as a church, we become more insecure and shame-ridden than before. Uh, We become more messed up than we were before we became Christians. And (laughs) I think about my own life, you know, when I was an atheist, 13, 14 uh, years old, the only times I felt shame-ridden was when I came into church. Uh, When I was hanging out with my buddies and we were talking about porn, we were talking about girls, we were talking about sex, whatever, I never felt ashamed of those things. I never felt ashamed of anything that I was doing. It wasn't until I became a Christian that I was like, gosh, you know, like this stuff is wrong. And all of a sudden I was filled with shame. And it's almost like I missed the whole point of the gospel by being exposed to church culture, which was radical.
0: Yeah. And even, you know, I think of uh, a couple passages. One of them is in the book of Revelation, we see that even in the church, um, you know, there's the church where it says, that I am rich and I have become wealthy and it's it's a church environment that says hey we have no need of anything and and then hear this Jesus responds by saying no you are wretched miserable poor blind and naked hmm. i counselled you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eye with the eye salve that you may see. It, it's kind of interesting that those idea nakedness and shame, always work together. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're, but they're pictures. Um, so, and, and this is important to understand is that nakedness in and of itself isn't bad, but it's, it, it seems like what what is the issue is nakedness and how it how it is a symbol of really the inner nakedness. Because um, obviously Jesus is talking to a church. He's not talking to a person. This is all symbolism. He's not saying you're naked as in you guys are all walking around the church nude. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it wasn't a striptease church or anything right. like that. <laughs> right. But he, he's using it as a symbol is that there's something in your heart um, and you think you have it all together, but really there's there's vulnerability there. Hmm. you know there's nakedness and and because of that, there's shame there and shame, I know people don't like that word, but shame just carries the idea that there's a defect, there's like a defect in you
1: right and it's one that they were ignoring so in other words, what this church was doing. Uh, was the same exact thing that Adam and Eve were doing, right? They noticed that there was a defect in them, but instead of um, acknowledging it, admitting it, and coming to Christ and seeking covering, seeking Mm -hmm. clothing, they sought to cover themselves, right? And that's, that's this idea of Jesus saying to them, like, you think you're rich. You think you're clothed. Like, you think you got it all together, but you don't. And again, I could easily look around the church and see the same thing. How many people are clothing themselves with religiosity?
0: It's almost like self-sufficiency is kind of the equals nakedness.
1: Right. Right? Right. That it's like, the, the truth is that Jesus is trying to point out is that everybody is naked, right? Everybody has that vulnerability. Everybody has that shame. Uh, but the question is, is, are you willing to admit it before holy God and seek covering through his son? Or are you trying to cover it over with something else? So if you go to the church and you say like, okay, well, what's my covering? Like, why do I feel like I have confidence and I'm able to interact with people? For most people, it's the religiosity. It's the fact that they're, it's their standing in the church culture that makes them feel confident, that makes them feel like they're not naked. And Jesus is saying to you, like, that's not it. You know, that's 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 not actually covering you before God. That just makes you feel more comfortable before people around you mm-hmm. or how many people cover themselves with their success at work where you know because they have a successful career they feel like they have nothing to be ashamed of or because they're successful parents they feel like they have nothing to be ashamed of and the issue is that whenever a defect props up in those areas that you are seeking self-sufficiency in you have no choice but to cover it so again if you feel like I have value because I'm a good parent well, the second your kid starts messing up, you got to cover that. You know, you can't let that out. You can't let people see that because that's a part of your covering. Or if you feel like you have standing because of your religiosity, if there's sin in your life, you have to cover that up. You can't let anyone know about that sin in your life because that becomes a part of your vulnerability. Or if it's from your job and there are things going bad in your job. You can't let anyone know that. You can't let anyone know about your finances or the debt that you might have or whatever. Right? That's, that's the issue that, that Jesus is addressing there. That, man, this church would be doing great if they just acknowledged the fact before Christ. of just like, I am naked, you know? Like, I'm a mess. I have all these issues in my life and I desperately need your covering. You know, help me to understand the covering of your grace and how that is sufficient for me. Um, and help me just receive from you um, the, as he says, you know, uh, you know, clothes that are, you know, spotless clothing, you know, gold refined in fire, you know, the eye salve, you know, like those those are the things that Christ is encouraging them to get because those are things that he offers them. Mm. Um, and that's that's the most important thing that we as Christians can grab. And the more that we grab that as a church, uh, the more we will be able to reveal our nakedness to one another, meaning that, um, if I understand that, um, I can have the confidence to share with someone failures as a husband, failures as in my job, failures in my walk with God. Fail- and I could show those people that because I don't see that as clothing anymore, right? I don't see that as a barrier anymore. I see that as i'm I'm always naked, and the closer I get to the people in the church, the more I want to be able to reveal that vulnerability to them so they can help me. I like it in first Thessalonians where he says, "'Arm yourself with light, and I like that idea where it's like there's this idea of putting on armor yeah. that's actually exposure yeah it's actually you're you're trying to shed more light on your vulnerability, mm-hmm. and that's somehow protects you or covers you and it's it's a really interesting concept
0: yeah and almost clothes equals like security right like you can be clothed with your own securities or you can be co- clothed with uh, you know the security that is um i, I want to say found in christ but i want to kind of define that a little better um when we, may, when we say clothed in Christ, we're kind of talking about like a, a, a faith-based sufficiency right. in Christ. Um, <clears throat> maybe that's a better way to describe that. So being clothed. I, I also thought of um, 2 Corinthians 5 where it's interesting when it talks about dying, it talks about for we who are in this body grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, naked, but further clothed, mm-hmm. that morta- mortality may be swallowed up by life. So it's interesting. Life, light, clothes. These are all talking about this this kind of walk with God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, is Adam and Eve gonna walk in the clothing that they provide themselves with, or are they gonna walk in a way that is? Uh, that they're going to walk with the clothes that God provides them with. Right. Um, you know, and what, what what is the type of clothes that Christ provides us with? Hmm. You know, it's kind of a good question.
1: Right. And and I think that the, the best place to go in the Bible to kind of see this concept that we're talking about really illuminated of like what kind of clothing do we have? What kind of clothing does Christ offer us? Um, is actually in... Uh, the book of Zechariah. Uh, so, if you go to Zechariah, which is really, um, you know, kind of a smaller prophetic book um, in the Old Covenant, and it's in chapter three, Zechariah sees this picture. He sees this image of the high priest, this guy named Joshua, standing before God, and and just listening to listen to what it says here. Um, this. is Chapter 3, verse 1 It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to him, spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. So uh, when he takes away the filthy garments, he says that's his iniquity. Mm -hmm. And then he clothes him with rich garments, um, which is obviously going to be his righteousness. So um, the iniquity that, that we commit right? That's actually what's clothing us. And even what God would say is every attempt that you make to clothe yourself is iniquity, right? And that, that word iniquity in, in the Hebrew it means to be bent away from God's intent. So um, every single time that we try to clothe ourselves with something that's not of God, that's not his righteousness, um, that, is, that is our filthy rags that we're bearing before the Lord. Um, but then we have a chance to bear the righteousness of Christ. So uh, essentially, by the way, th- this word righteousness, I think is a, is a great word to help understand this clothing process as well. Um, what righteousness is is it's the idea of right standing um, before anyone right? So righteousness is it's a legal term. it's not necessarily a Christian term. It's something that people used, often back in the day. They they don't use it anymore today, but back in the day they used to use it often. And it just meant like if I was righteous before a judge, that meant I had right standing before him. I had confidence. I could stand before him and he wouldn't see any blame in me and I could walk by him, right? If I had right standing, if I had righteousness in my career, it meant that my boss didn't impute any sort of ill will or you know like uh wanting to fire me or anything right he didn't have any th- any grievances against me that's what that meant or if i had righteousness in my marriage it's the same thing right that's what it meant it just meant right standing or correctness or justifiable conduct before anyone and so What we're saying, in essence, is that the clothing that we're we're trying to produce is our own righteousness, meaning, why do I feel like I have right standing before God or anyone else around me? Whatever the answer to that question is, that's the clothing that you're sporting, right? Now, when we say that we're clothed, that we don't want to be clothed with that righteousness, but instead the righteousness of God, what we mean by that is what we're saying is, if someone were to ask me, why do you feel like you have a right standing with God? My answer should be, because of what Jesus Christ did for me and my faith in him alone. I believe he clothed me, and the reason why I stand before him correctly is because of his actions, not mine.
0: Yeah, so it comes to, it comes to back to Adam and Eve. How did, uh, how did God provide for Adam and Eve? Well, it was through the clothes, the sacrifice of the animal. Right. And then how and what we're saying is how does God provide for us? It's through Jesus Christ. How does he provide salvation to us? It's through Christ. So um being clothed carries the idea of 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 taking God up on his provision, right?
1: Right. Right. And that's that's really all all it is, is just receiving from him. Just like Joshua here. Um, Joshua would, would have been the holiest, most righteous dude in the nation. And how does he stand before God? In filthy rags, right? And yeah, his... so
0: so, when, so it makes sense, because in the book of Revelation, that church of Laodicea, um, when they're saying, I am rich, I have need of nothing. The, the reprimand is, is that, no, you're naked and you're blind, Because you're not receiving my provision. Right. You know, there's a self-righteousness that's there. Right. Um, And what you're saying, too, is that when we're clothed with Christ, um, it also is talking about uh, when we were receiving God's provision for our sins, and now we are forgiven it actually makes us more vulnerable. Right. Um, it actually p- should produce a vulnerability in the sense that now we are living in the light. Right. And light opens up everything. Right. It, sh- it reveals. Yeah. So instead of uh, uh, the church concealing um, our sin, it should be something where in a church there should be a revealing. Right. Of our issues, which is really interesting because, because that's not what I think a lot of us see. No. I mean, that's not, that doesn't seem common.
1: No, no. Most people don't see it that way. And uh, like I said, the, the reason for that is because the true clothing that someone like this is wearing is religiosity. So like in my time of fearfulness, of not wanting to confess my sin to anybody— Right, not wanting to talk about it with anybody. Because once again, you know, me and Bo are not saying that you have to confess your sin to everybody around you. But my fear of confessing my sin to anybody revealed the vulnerability in my heart that I didn't I saw that my covering was my reputation. That's what I saw made me right with the people in the church, and that's what I saw made me right with God ultimately, was my reputation and my self righteousness. And that's what prevented me from being vulnerable with other people, you know? And I could use excuses, and I've heard them before, and I've said them, right? Of just like, oh, well, you know, before God and Him only have I sinned, so He's the only person I need to be honest with. Or, um, well, you know, like I'm, what if someone gossips about me? What if someone takes that and and uses it against me? Or, you know, I shouldn't have to. Or, you know, I've, I've said them, and I've used them. And what the Bible would be saying to us is, Hey, check, check your heart because that's probably not the reason. You know, there probably is that fearfulness of what will people think of me? And you'll see more and more that you're covering is your reputation and what people think of you. And the more that's able to be distinct, destroyed in your heart, the more you're going to start to see that the only way to build meaningful relationships is with vulnerability. Meaning that the, if, you, if you have a relationship with zero vulnerability, that's a relationship that has no depth. It's just a relationship on the surface where all you can talk about is um, you know, meaningless things. Mm. Um, the only real relationships that could be cultivated are ones that are built in reality and built in vulnerability. If you can't share with someone your deepest dreams, your deepest hopes, your deepest failures, um, that, that relationship has no roots. It, ha- it has no actual substance. The The deepest relationships that we have are the ones that we do feel comfortable enough. We do feel like I could share this with you and there isn't shame, right? There isn't, you're not going to judge me. You're not going to use this against me. Um, because if you really stopped and thought about it, if you're not able to talk to someone about something uh, in your life, if you feel that fear in you, then there's always going to be that fear in you of if this person ever found out who I really am, they would leave me it reminds me of uh uh the movie where jim carried the mask mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. uh you know he puts on the mask and he actually like it's kind of interesting because like when he puts on the mask his inner goof kind of comes out and he's able to be himself for the first time and later on in the movie like he's he's falling in love with this girl and he has this dilemma of like who should i go with should i go as the mask or should i go as me and uh they're ta- they're, people are trying to console him. They're trying to talk to him. And he's just like, how can I know that she loves me or the mask? And that, that's such a, like, a deep philosophical question, right? Mm. Of like, you know, could you really... I mean, do we ask ourselves those questions when I'm talking to people, hanging out with people? Do they love me or do they love the mask? Do they love what I've presented to them, which isn't really me? Because it is, it is me devoid of reality. It's me devoid of my failures. It's me devoid of my regrets. It's me devoid of my dreams. It's me devoid of my emotional frailties. You know, And that's not who I am. That's a facade. That's a lie. Mm. And so how could you really feel accepted if you're not actually understood? Right? And that's what God is trying to get at with all these things. He's like, look, he's trying to create a community. He's trying to create a, a place where people can be with one another and they can have that vulnerability and acceptance so that we can help one another out. Like I said, the really the only other alternative is to defect from the community of Christians and go into a community where your uh, where your sins are more readily accepted. Right? That's the only place you can you can go. And that's not good for you. That's not going to make you do better. It's going to make you worse as a human being and it's going to make you worse before God. So the level that I'm able to accept the clothing that Christ gives me is the same level that I'm able to express my sins to those who I am getting close to.
0: Yeah, one thing I think we want to make clear as well is people can get into a community that, say, is pro-whatever-they-want-to-do, and they can live their life in a relative happy way. Um, their whole life within that community. Um, That happens all the time. That's what we do as people, I think, is we tend to find communities that accept us uh, for our belief systems. Um, The Christian belief system, though, is saying that just because you're in a community that you might be happy and everything might be fine. Um, You know, your whole life doesn't mean that you're right with God. And the reason why is because God by nature is perfect and holy. And in order to dwell with God, you need to be perfect and holy. And, and so he provides a way for you to be made holy through the blood of Christ But if you reject that, then you go after your own provision. And whatever those clothes are, the clothing now could be a symbol of community. Um, You know, you go to your own community, and that community becomes your sense of clothing, your sense of security. Um, So what, what makes you secure is that community. Where the Christian, you know, we have to always remember that it's not the church community that is our security. It's it's what Christ has done. That's our security. He is our security. He is our peace. Um, the church isn't our peace. Jesus is our peace. And so, no, com- just because you're in that community doesn't mean that necessarily you're going to have a bad life, or you're gonna you're gonna be have destruction. Um, in your life, people do it all the time. Um, the question is: is is that is that clothing, that that community, that security, is 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 it one that leads to eternal life? And that is always kind of the linchpin of the Bible. My dad used to always tell me it, tell tell it this way. He's like, Hey, in AA Alcoholics Anonymous, we get people sober. You wanna get saved, go talk to my son. That's what he would always say, tell people <laughs> which is so I thought was so cool, yeah because he understood the distinction that if you need you know i I have a community he he was making that you can be clothed with with sobriety, hmm. and we could help you with that, but that's all we do right and so you always have to ask the question i guess is what's the better clothes, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I always go back to Blaise Pascal and this one statement he says is, eternity is, or he says this, death is eternal no matter what state it's in. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Death is eternal no matter what state it's in, whether you're an atheist, whether you're agnostic, whether you're a theist, whether you're a pantheist, whatever you are, death is eternal no matter what state it's in. right? And he says, and if that is the case, then wouldn't it be beneficial to measure all decisions that you make in life based on that point? Yeah. Um, and the answer is yes. <laughs> if, 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 if death is eternal, no matter what state it's in, whether it's eternal annihilation, or eternal hell or eternal heaven whatever it is we know we know beyond a shadow of a doubt today scientifically that it is eternal M- meaning no no one's come back from the dead right you know the only debatable one that people debate today is Jesus right but that's it <laughs> you know we're not debating anybody else's resurrection right because death is eternal so it's a great point though, right? And that if that's the truth, then shouldn't we look for community um, um, that, is, that we're going to be clothed in something that's going to benefit us in that eternal, whatever it is. Right. And, and so Blaise Pascal always pointed people to the church. The reason why wasn't so much because the church had community, he saw that there was community in the intellectual, secu- secular uh, disciplines uh, in France, but he saw that it was through the church that Christ was upheld and that through the community of the church that it would, it would uphold, it would be the pillar, as it says in Timothy, um, for the truth of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ would be, in a sense, raised up, and people would see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and they would go, whoa, I need to be clothed with Christ. So he wasn't making the point that just come into the Catholic Church, you know, that he was a part of, and there it is. You're good to go. Right. But it was the idea that the church is upholding Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what we need to be clothed in.
1: Yeah. You know? yeah. And it, it is interesting to think that there is no... God is the only one, even though he is completely holy, even though he is perfect in every way, and he has the most right to judge your vulnerability and your shame. He is the only one in this universe who accepts you exactly as you are. Uh, Only one. You know, even when I think about the closest, nearest relationships I have in my life, even when I think about my parents and my wife and all these other people that are very near to my heart, when they see, and they do, when they see some of my wickedness, Unveiled, come out, I could always tell that there's a shrinking away. You know, because that's just that's how it is. That's that's how I am with them as well. It's how everybody is. You know, when we see the unveiled wickedness of someone revealed, mm. it's very hard to still love them. Yeah. Very hard. Jesus is the only one in this universe who sees all of your unveiled wickedness. And loves you anyway.
0: Yeah, Dave Robson said, "To be truly known and truly loved is a very rare thing." <laughs> and what you're saying is, yeah, it is.
1: As it's very rare. In fact, there's only one person in the universe who can do it. Right? That's how rare it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Only Jesus fully knows you, and only Jesus, therefore, fully loves you.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting too. It's like a lot of people rip apart, you know, the the Garden story in in uh, which we call I call it an event. I don't like using the word story. Right. But um but really, when you look at the heart of God, God clothes Adam and Eve. Um, you know God is still in the business of wanting to clothe people today. Um, you know and, and that thread is throughout the Bible is, is it, it always goes back to the garden. It's, it always goes back to the idea of who am I going to trust? and, and that becomes uh, the idiom or the the symbol of of clothing who will i trust who am i going to be clothed with and that's a decision on our parts that we all make and some people would think well it's ridiculous for god to um discipline me because i choose to be clothed in something else right and and and, and that's not, you're not alone by that, by uh, saying that too. If you can actually believe it, Satan in the Bible, um, you know, he, he is the accuser. Um, he is the one that accuses people before God in the Bible. And he is the one who, um, um, because it, the Bible talks about Satan being a prideful being, um, believes that he can judge better than God. You know, so so when, when someone kind of goes at God and says, hey, God, I don't like your provision. Um, I don't like the way you clothe. I don't think that's right. Well, it, it's kind of the, the, the same song and dance of Satan. Hmm. Uh, you know, that, that's what Satan says too. Yeah, I don't think God's provision is right either. And But the only difference is that is that Satan's, say, what Satan thinks would be the right thing to do is to wipe you out. Yeah. That's what he believes. The right thing to do is, is to actually that that God's judgment on you to to have mercy on you at all, is quite ridiculous.
1: Right, right, and you know it's uh, there's also another story in the Bible that I think illustrates you know what Bo's talking about in a really cool way as well. It's in Luke 16, and in Luke 16, it speaks of a rich man and Lazarus. And Jesus is telling the story, and he says there's a rich man, and Lazarus. They both die. Lazarus was incredibly poor, had sores and ulcers that dogs would come and lick them, and he would eat scraps that fell off the rich man's table. And they both die. Uh, Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom, a place of uh, he goes to paradise. He goes to a place of comfort, um, and then the rich man goes to uh, what we would refer to as hell or Hades. Um, now, the interesting thing about the story is that a lot of Uh, theologians have kind of pulled out is the fact that Lazarus is given a name, but the rich man never is. Um, The second thing is that the rich man is not referred to as the rich man when he's in hell. And a lot of the the things that, because when you listen to the story, the context of why Jesus is even telling it is because he's talking to the Pharisees um, who are, again, clothed in their own righteousness. And this is essentially what he's saying. When he names the rich man, the rich man, and he doesn't say his actual name, what he's saying in a not so subtle way is he's saying, this is what that guy was clothed in, his riches, right? This is what made him feel like he had anything, was his riches. And it was to such a point that was such a part of his identity that when he went to hell and obviously is not rich anymore, he doesn't have an identity. He has nothing to console him anymore because he's lost it, right? In other words, he's either a rich man or he's nothing. Whereas Lazarus is Lazarus no matter where he is whether he's poor, whether he's rich, whether he's still Lazarus, because <laughs> his identity is not built around anything in this world, right? It's not built around the community he's around. It's not built around his finances. It's not built around his family. It's not built, right? There's nothing in Lazarus's life that gave him identity aside from God. And this is, this is why Christianity is so cool and why I think it's so amazing. Aside from the fact that it's true, which is this is really amazing. But, uh, something that's amazing about Christianity is what we believe about hell is all God is allowing you to do in hell is whatever clothing that you're putting on yourself today, he's just allowing you to wear it for eternity. That's it. right? So for the righteous, the people who put their faith in Jesus Christ for his for his righteousness, you're going to wear that righteousness for eternity. For the people who choose to wear their own righteousness, you're going to wear that clothing for eternity. That's it. So if I choose to clothe yeah. myself with my own works and my own... Uh, whatever, if I'm going to be like Adam and Eve and put on fig leaves and have that uncomfortability on me all the time, then I'm going to have separation from God because I didn't want to have a relationship in the first place. And that's why I'm clothing m- myself with something that's not his. And secondly, I'm going to be able to live for that forever.
0: Yeah, so you're clothing yourself with the non-eternal. Right. God is eternal. And so when you cl- when you receive the, the the provision of God for eternal life, you're receiving an eternal provision, right? Um, which cannot have lack, right? It cannot end. But right. when you when you die when you go into eternity with your own righteousness, which is your own provision, your own community, right. then that is a non-eternal community. So you right. get to go into, in a sense, uh, well, in a real way, an eternal existence because you're an eternal being, right? With With being uh, clothed with that non-eternal lifestyle, right? And think think about that's kind of an interesting thought.
1: It is, man. It's it's a heavy one. You know, think about the imagery of hell for a second. It's always fire, right? There's always some some sort of a fire going on. The lake of fire, the consuming, the consuming fire, Gehenna, right? It's all this place of burning, this place of refuse. Um, Why why is this imagery of fire always depicted? In, in hell, where, um, you know, wh- why not something else? And when you think about this metaphor, this idea of clothing, it makes total sense, right? What, what is fire? Fire is something that consumes a fuel in order to burn, right? That's what it is. And the more fuel you feed it, the hotter and brighter it burns. And this is, this is what Bo's saying. You're an eternal being. When you try to clothe yourself with something that's non-eternal, That thing might satisfy you for a time, but it will not satisfy you for eternity. All it will do is burn up, and then you'll spend eternity smoldering, right? Like the rich man, right? So he had some clothing. He had something that gave him um, uh, a value system in this life, but in eternity, all it did is cripple him, right? All it did is hurt him, scourge him for all of eternity. So whatever you're clothing yourself with, no matter what it is, it's satisfying for a time but even if you live long enough whatever it is it's going to disappoint you over give it you know stretch out the timeline long enough and it will disappoint you there's only so much sex you can have there's almost so much porn you could watch there's almost so much only so much money you can make or relationships you could cultivate and eventually you get to the end of them and you realize it's just not everything not that it wasn't fun but it's just not ultimate Right? It's not eternal. It's not something I could take with me for eternity. It is. It does come to an end. The pleasure does end. But my life won't. For the Christian, we believe that we're clothing ourselves with a pleasure, a joy, a righteousness that is eternal. Mm. And this is a really interesting thing. I, I wanted to read this passage to you guys real quick. It's in 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul's speaking of works, He's right, speaking of works that we could do now that we are Christian, speaking of works, because now our works aren't clothing us anymore. There's something else. And this is what he says. This is verse 10. According to the grace God, which is, uh, the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. So now he's saying my works don't cover me anymore. My works are something that's going on top of a foundation that's already been laid for me. Okay, so what's this going to do? He says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so through fire. Okay. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, if it, it, as a Christian, uh, again, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us clothe ourselves with things that aren't Christ. All of us are building on the foundation with things that are not eternal. What's going to happen to us? Well, we're going to be saved, but as through fire, meaning that there is going to be a fire that is going to consume, and it hurt us. It's going to burn us. It's going to hurt us during this life. We will be saved, but during this life, we're going to burn, in whatever we're pursuing, that's not Christ. right? So if I'm, uh, again, not that family's bad, not that sexuality is bad, not that anything these things are bad, but if I turn something finite and I turn it into something ultimate and I put it above God in my life, and I seek to live for that, and that I see it as my covering, it's going to hurt me during this life, but I'm going to be saved. For the person who doesn't know God at all, that is going to be the only thing they get to take into eternity, and that's what their hell is going to be. So for a Christian, whatever sin that I'm committing or you're committing on a daily basis, that you're feeling in a way when you're, being, uh, when you're using these things and they're coming to an end, you're feeling the first kind of fires of hell, consume you in a weird way and that doesn't like i said it has nothing to do with your salvation but you're feeling it and the reason why god is calling us out of it is because he doesn't want us to go through that it, it, you know jesus said anyone who thirsts come to me and drink right he, he doesn't want us to be consumed with things that can't ultimately satisfy he wants us to only come to him and to be ma- uh, massively satisfied and pleased in who he is and that's the whole point
0: Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36, 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. (laughs)